Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure, Radio Red in the house. It's Monday. Where else would I be? Those of you who follow somebody named Bonnie on LinkedIn, you'll see that Radio Red calls her every Monday morning and tells her who's going to be on the show and posts some of her AI-generated digital embellished art. And there's a new portrait of a very interesting-looking lady with blue jewel eyes, and one's one shape and one's the other, so you got to go see it. So I'm Radio Red, happy to be here. Before we start, I've asked my three guests, I told them, they're going to have to do a little little work with me here before I even introduce them. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to make a copy, a shape of the letter L with me. There we go, Christina, Carol, and Jerry. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying hello, L, L, L. Let's see if we can do it in sync. We didn't rehearse it, so I'm not sure how good you're going to be. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Jordan, I think that was one of the best groups we've had in a while. So that's, I don't know any prizes for you. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She lives in Whitestone, New York, and I've been trying to find a place with the letter L for her to move to. And I looked all over the world and all over the United States. And I decided that we're going to move her where I am. I accidentally moved to Loudoun, Tennessee. I thought I was going to London, but I tilted my head, Christina, and the first N in London turned into a U and I ended up in, in Tennessee. So just, just, so you know. So we're going to get Laura here. It's cheaper than moving her to London. So today is August 14th. Where is the year going? Labor Day is just a couple of weeks away. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Listen, those of us who made it through the past couple of years, we're just happy to be here. And this is this is a good thing. As people would say, it's a blessing. It's for a good thing. So I found out just before the show that two of my guests are born under the sign of Leo. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to do a little bit of, I'm getting a heavy memory usage here. All right, skip it for a week. Thank you very much, the the gods of Mac. Uh, I'm going to go through some Leo characteristics here, but first I have to tell all of you, this is the 226th day of 2023. And this is in the Gregorian calendar. There are 138 days left, and this is the 33rd Monday. Now, Carol and Christina and Jerry, I have to tell you that to me, Pope Gregory the 13th was one of the early creatives because he sat down one day and he said, I don't know, I just don't like the Julian calendar. I'm going to change it. So he made some changes and I don't know whether he said to his mom, I'm sure she called him Grego or Gregor or whatever. I'm going to change the calendar. I want a new leap year every 400 centurial years. Well, anyway, he made a new calendar and we still use it. So I call him one of our early documented creatives. I know there are a lot more, but this works for my show. So here we are. It's a sign of Leo. Roll out the red carpet. Jerry is a Leo. Christina is a Leo. Let me just introduce Jerry Morton. Wave hello. Christina Ramirez. M. We're going to put the M in there. And Carol Tansy. Carol is going to be our honorary Leo, and so am I. So Leos are, I want you to all just wave your hand or wiggle a finger, one of the nice fingers, if the characteristics I read apply to you. Leos are vivacious. What do you think? Christina, Jerry, Jerry's not sure. He's something with his mustache. He's a little bit, I think he has a vivacious mustache. They're theatrical, okay? They're passionate. 
They love to bask in the spotlight. They celebrate themselves. They're natural leaders. Christina, natural leader. Carol, I know you are. Jerry, absolutely. I know Jerry already. Um, They enjoy cultivating friendships and romances that are artistically and creatively inspired. They love a tabloid drama-fueled romance. Uh, They perceive themselves as a celebrity. And the Leo was represented in tarot by the strength card, which represents the divine expression of physical, mental, and emotional fortitude. There you go. They're fearless. So that's enough. So Jerry, you're already a Leo. Does this sound like you, Jerry, all these characteristics? Um, 63.4% does. (laughs) You've been listening to too many of my shows. Christina, what about you? Um, I think like around 70.1. Okay, not bad. Carol, you want to be an honorary Leo? I would would love to. And I believe it or not, some of those things are me. I would say I'm probably in the 80%. Yes. Okay. See, she's more of a Leo than the two of you. Mm -hmm. And I have a relative near and dear to me who is turning a a year I'm not going to mention on Wednesday of this week. So I have a Leo in the family and he has lived up to everything in this what can I tell you? Recommended careers for Leos, in case you're interested, all of you, actor, event manager, teacher, designer, motivational speaker, travel writer, PR executive, celebrity agent, whoa, and entrepreneur. I think you're all entrepreneurial in your own way, so that fits. Famous Leos, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, Halle Berry, Barack Obama, Meghan Markle. We won't talk about her. She's all in the news already. Mick Jagger, Helen Mirren, Sandra Bullock, Madonna, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lawrence, Viola Davis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robert De Niro, the late Whitney Houston, Charlize Theron, Joe Jonas, and Jason Momoa. That's all I'm going to read. So you're in good company as an honorary and the two of you who are. So let me do some introductions here. Oh, by the way, I have to tell you, um, I forgot to tell you that of the 139 days remaining in the year, Carol, I know a little bit about you from your bio. I'm telling you that I know you're gonna wanna celebrate New Year's Eve in a big way. And I'm guessing that you're gonna wanna buy something bubbly, whether alcoholic or not, none of my business, from an online store. And the shelves are gonna be cleared out very soon. So put your order in soon. Jerry, I'm guessing that Carol's listening up. Thank you. You follow directions very well. Can't wait to introduce you. Jerry Morton, I'm guessing you probably have somewhere, one of your relatives has a still from the old um, prohibition days of whiskey in the back of the house in in the farmland or wherever you're living. So you're gonna get that still out, I think, and you're gonna make some really special whiskey, but start now. Jerry, am I right? Yes, uh, in my family history, a, a relative sold the town of Waukegan, Wisconsin for a keg of whiskey. I did not. I, I met Jerry before. He was on one of my local shows, not live streamed, and I didn't remember if he told me that. I'm surprised and amazed. Thank you. Uh, Christina, I'm guessing you might be the type who would like to make homemade Kahlua or Tia Maria or something very exotic, a beautiful liqueur. You have to start soon. Christina, 139 days is not much time to get those flavors to blend and meld so that something really wonderful and very strong is available for New Year's Eve. So you've all got your marching orders for New Year's Eve, imbibement, whatever. Now, let's go to who you really are. Let's find out. First up, just wave hello. I'm going to have you each do your own full bio in just a moment. But the overview is Carol Tanzi. Her initials after her name are ASID. She's the goddess of garbage. I've never heard it put so elegantly, Carol. (laughs) And she is celebrating 50 years 
working and owning a San Francisco Bay interior design business. And she emphasizes something in her business that is so modern, so current, Carol. This is a testament to you, recycling, reusing, and repurposing. And Carol, I've named this episode Repurposing Creativity in your honor. Thank okay. you very much for that. I have to pick a different title every week. Jerry Morton is here. He's a retired school psychologist. He's the author of Reluctant Lieutenant from Basic to OCS in the 60s and host of the podcast Finding My Way, a memoir by Jerry Morton. Jerry, nice to see you again. You were with me a couple of weeks ago on a local non-streaming version of the show, and I'm delighted that you accepted my invitation to come back. By the way, I met Carol recently at the National Publicity Summit in July hosted by Bradley Communications, and the same with Christina M. I'm going to put the M in your name on Zoom in a couple minutes. Uh, okay. Christina M. Ramirez is the founder of Triathlon M-A-M. Is it Miami? Is that right? Mommy in Mommy. I wasn't sure. Triathlon Mommy, M-A-M-I Incorporated, and Dash Strom, D-A-S-H-S-T-R-O-M, coaching for children, adults, and corporate teams. And she's the author of a book titled Empowered by Discomfort, that sounds very creative. You can show the book. Yes, let's have that. Okay, very, very nice. So what I'm going to do now is go around the table and put you on speaker view. Carol Tansy, I'm putting you on. Everybody's going to see just Carol. And okay. Jerry and I and Christine in the background are going to just cheer you on. So, Christina, take your three minutes of glory. I know you're supposed to get 15 in life. You get 15 minutes. I'm giving you three several times during the show. It will add up to your 15 minutes of fame. So, Carol, like you need this for fame. You are already famous enough. We know. Carol Tansy, welcome officially to Read My Lips. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your creativity? Go ahead. Well, um, I have had uh, my own interior design business for 50 years, like you said. However, I got my training after college gradu graduating at uh, San Jose University. I got my training at R.H. Macy's, which was phenomenally wonderful. I was a home furnishings coordinator for six and a half years there, then decided to start my own business. And I did. I, I did all what you might think is the traditional interior design work. However, somewhere along the line, I noticed that I was a little bit different than my colleagues. As I started to reuse more and I started to uh, reposition more and I was recycling, but nobody was calling it recycling at the time, nor were they calling it upcycling. That word wasn't even around yet. And that became my passion. And then from there, I started teaching young children how to uh, do creative projects, making uh, pencil containers out of cans. And I started to raise money for many nonprofits doing this. And that was exciting to me. It was another side of what Carol Tanzing Associates was. But the goddess of garbage appeared probably in 1997, 1998, and she started to really take off. And I've been doing it ever since. It is a part of me, and it is me. And so I kind of talk about myself in two different people, Carol A. Tansy and the goddess of garbage, but they're really just one. Where do I get my ideas? I get my ideas by looking at discards that we throw away all the time and thinking, I can do something with that, and have. I also get my ideas 
on the retail market. Obviously, I'm at the design center, I'm at uh, stores, and I think I can produce that for a lot cheaper. And of course, I get my ideas from nature. Just a simple walk and I'm collecting rocks and feathers and twigs and all sorts of things. A lot of people are doing a lot of this now and I'm thrilled to see it. The more I teach, the more people can learn, the more my clients understand, the more children I can reach out. It's a it's a win-win learning process for everybody. Carol Tansy, you are a woman ahead of your time, <laughs> probably by decades. Upselling, upskilling, up-purposing, everything you want to talk about, nobody was talking about. It was probably done very quietly, like, aren't you going to throw that out, Carol? No, I have something I'm going to do with it. Ah, throw it out. It's garbage. Carol, I uh, I collect things. I, I have my art studio in what was the sunroom in this house I bought in Tennessee. And instead of buying fancy containers for brushes and for... I save packaging for collages. I save everything, but I'll take a good, take, give me a good one pint sour cream container. I don't care what brand. When it's all done, just wash it out, make it really clean, put some water in it, put the brushes in it, or put, put something in it. I have little and big sour cream. I don't need a lot of sour cream, but containers on my desk in my art room on my table that are all recycled, repurposed. Why would I buy something when I have stuff? So uh, I have the I have the wrappers, candy wrappers. I have the inside of, of cracker containers, uh, boxes, bags, wonderful foil inside. Candy wrappers, a beautiful yes. foil. I used to make little necklace. I'll show you some of my art later on. Carol, yes. it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's go to Jerry Morton. Jerry, regale the audience. Everybody, <laughs> tell us who you are, what you do, and how did you get to the point where you've got a memoir and you've got a podcast? Jerry, welcome back thank you uh as i'm reflecting on the many years i've lived i i believe i've got uh, somebody beat by year two being 81 now the uh the, the reflection is that i my childhood and adolescent years prepared me to work with people with far different cultures my father was a career coast guardsman and I went to eight different public schools during that period of time. And uh, then I got into to college. Uh, yeah, uh, the Center College down in Kentucky, first my first time really being in the South. Of course, uh, you may have picked up that I've let my Minnesota, Wisconsin accent go by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> the, done in the, Jerry, done in the true style of a comedian. You never step on the laughs and you waited until we had finished. So good for you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then I, I got into graduate school. And the reason I got into graduate school was that when I went to, I, I got a graduate assistantship at Miami of Ohio. And uh, I, I was not a stellar student. Uh, I did not uh, realize it was necessary to study in order to uh, get good grades, uh, to be competitive. Uh, but I had worked as a deckhand in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, being the only Caucasian uh, of Mount Hispanic crew uh, on ocean-going dredge boats. And I had worked as a lifeguard. And I went in to be interviewed by the director of the reading center at Miami of Ohio. 
And he's, I see on your resume, you were a deckhand and a lifeguard. So was I. Tell me about what it's like to deckhand. So, so we spent two hours talking about deckhanding and lifeguarding and all. And I got admitted to Miami of Ohio. And then uh, he decided I was going to be a public speaker. And I had all these colloquial phrases. And Don Edwards uh, was a former speech therapist. So he corrected me so often that I began stuttering. Uh, my two years with him, but uh, that prepared me uh, four days after I'd finished my master's coursework in school psychology. Uh, I was a private in the army. That was in 66, the draft. And the reluctant lieutenant book is going from basic to advanced infantry and then infantry OCS. Um, and then I was to be assigned in a combat uh, operations uh, in Vietnam, of course. And all of a sudden, a week before I was to ship out, my orders were changed, and I was to appear before the Commandant of the Special Warfare Center. And he said, Jerry, we're so glad you're, Lieutenant Morton, rather, we're so <laughs> glad you're here. What? <laughs> he says, yes, you're the senior psychology instructor in psychological warfare here at the center. And you're, yeah. and you're, we're starting a staff officer's course and you're supposed, uh, you're the lead teacher and you have to write your, your course uh, and your first class starts in uh, two weeks. So I'm not going to keep you longer. Uh, you need to report to the Special Warfare Center. I mean, the, the Psychological Warfare Center. So for two years, you know, what's, a, what's somebody with a master's in school psychology know about psychological warfare, you know, about being kind to people and understanding their points of view and reference. And the army let me teach that for two years. It was wonderful. Uh, and uh, they supported me. I would oftentimes be uh, put on report for saying uh, uh, controversial things, but the commanding general always backed me up. So that was a good experience. And then I'm trying to get a job and getting out of the army after that two year stint. And I signed up with a school system down in Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, Florida. And that looks like a nice thing. And, you know, so I spend a month with my wife and baby son, and we're having a great time. And then I'm told what I'm going to be doing. I'm the only school psychologist serving seven all-black schools being integrated for the first time. I couldn't have been better prepared for that yeah. situation. Uh, by what I had learned about working with people from many different countries and wow. under stress and conflict. And then I got into the University of Tennessee doctoral program and finished that study. And out of the blue, I got a job with this educational co-op that just started. And uh, we they need, uh, there's some this new crazy law that Tennessee has passed and this federal government's about to pass uh, saying that school systems have to serve children with disabilities. Mm. And I'm to set up the school psychology programs for all of the, for seven rural school systems in East Tennessee and all of those kinds of things. And uh, in the meantime, I'm training people like in the army to deal with people from cultures that they've never worked with because all the graduate students are coming from big city programs and all that stuff. And they're going into rural school systems now and work with those people who are under tremendous amount of stress and then continuing to develop the co-op and train graduate students uh, 
through the course until I got too old to keep on doing it. But I do floss my teeth regularly. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry, you're a charmer. And if anybody has, I'm not sure whether you have created this very interesting, eclectic, if I can use that word, path of from career to career to career to career to experience career, or whether it created you. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I, didn't, look, I didn't seek these experiences. Not, they just, that's where I was. People saw you, they heard you, they liked you, they understood you, and they said, he's the perfect one for, let's just give him a job, let's assign. Fascinating, thank you, Jerry. <laughs> this is quite a ride you've had. I'm, I'm very glad to know you. We're all thinking, what? <laughs> the first, what? Again and again and again. Thank you, Jerry. Let's go to Christina. Christina, while you're talking, I'm going to put the M in your name. Christina Ramirez, I met you at the National Publicity Summit on July 25th. Happy to meet you. And let's find out who you are and how you create what you do. Christina, welcome. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's a tough act to follow here after Jerry. But um, yeah, so I also, I was born overseas and I lived overseas until I was like 17 that I came to the U.S. And I actually started my career on Wall Street. Um, And then I worked on Silicon Valley and then I got transferred and then I left. I've done all kinds of things, but um, I ended up being a preschool teacher when I became a mom because I wanted to be with my kids. And so my husband used to say that I went from Wall Street to Sesame Street. (laughs) And when I missed my kids Halloween kindergarten Halloween party, because I was in preschool and he had gone to an elementary school, I felt like I was the worst mother ever. um, Because I like, you know, I had to miss his Halloween party because I was taking care of my classroom. So I quit my job. And I, um, I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, I can't like, I'm I've, I've always done things. I can't just sit here and do nothing. So I went to the school principal at the at their elementary school and I said, hey, you know, like, what if I did a little after school program, like a run club, because I was really into triathlons, Um, you know, I'll do a little run club after school and then I'll donate a percentage of my profits back to the school. And she said, great. And I said, great. And we started with like 20 kids and it was wonderful. And what I forgot to tell you is that I used to be the girl in the back of the gym smoking pot. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I was not an athlete. And, but when I became a mom, I also wanted to be an athlete. So I ran a 5k in my neighborhood. And when I finished that 5k, you would have thought that I won an Olympic gold medal by how I felt. It was like me, like I'm, I'm running. That's like, and if I can do this, what else can I do? And it was that feeling, if I could bottle it and sell it, I would be a good millionaire. but I can't, but I can create experiences for the kids to experience that and become empowered. So I created this whole curriculum in my little run club, teaching confidence to kids through running games and drills. And in 2018, my family decided this was in Florida. Um, we decided to move to New Mexico. And when I moved, um, I started teaching other moms from across the country to do what I have done. So I've helped over 200 moms start their own independent small business to teach this curriculum in their communities to teach confidence and growth mindset to the kids in their communities. We are in 41 states. We've coached over 10,000 children. And what I have done is now I've quote unquote translated that curriculum to corporate training. So now I go into corporations and to teams and I create the same kind of experiential 
um, opportunities where things are challenging, but you support them so that they can be successful and create confidence and empowerment on the other side. And I think that any entrepreneur is creative because you're creating something that didn't exist before. So I think a lot of my creativity stems from there. And even though I do art and I do writing and I'm an author and all those things, but I really love developing programs that don't exist and where I can put some of my experiences in the way that can empower others. And I feel like that's really where I enjoy being the most. Christina, Christina, Christina. Impressive. We're all nodding. You're, you're, the, ba- <laughs> Thank you. you're the baby on the panel. What what a, a ride you have had so far deciding I'll, I'll start a running club for the kids. I'll teach them confidence. I'll feel like the top of the mountain because I ran a 5K locally. How can I share that? And going into taking it and translating it or transforming it into a corporate curriculum. Yeah. Wow. The three of you, um, I, I don't handpick the guests to go with each other, Carol and Jerry and Christina. As Christina and Carol know, when I go on the National Publicity Summit, I go to 17 different breakout rooms. I meet about 50 different guests and I talk to them for exactly two minutes on the dot. And I say, okay, Christina, you're free on uh, August 14th. Carol, you're free on Jerry. I know Jerry because he was on my list. Jerry, I've got a spot on August 14th. Well, Jerry was here first, actually, and you two, you filled it out <laughs> in the panel. And I don't pick and choose, but the thread very often is there, whether it's on commonality of background or I'm going to use the word ethos, how you approach life, what you do, how you feel about contributing. The three of you, I've only had seven careers, so I don't even stand up to what all you, you've <laughs> done. Carol, I did walk into, Jerry, you get a kick out of this. I did want to teach eBay selling, and I walked into my local adult ed program in Great Neck, Long Island, and I said, I, I, I'm i in between jobs, and I'm selling. My mom was an antique dealer, and she was giving me some stuff that wasn't really high-end, and I learned how to sell because I had an author on my radio show who was the queen of eBay selling and she taught me and I got her book and and I walked in they said good we just got rid of the teacher who was teaching the eBay class you've got 10 days you're starting we've got a full class six people in a computer lab each getting their own PC and you're teaching so I had to develop my curriculum but Carol it was something like treasures or trash and I taught it for something like five years and it was always waiting list only for that class so I I understand what you do and recycling repurposing Christina just Starting with, I have an idea I want to teach kids. Jerry, starting with, I know this, and I'm going to tell people my story. And they say, he'd be perfect for this. Let's start a new unit. Let's start a new curriculum. Let's start a new a new class. I'm amazed at the three of you. You're all such forces of nature. I'm going to cry. I try not to cry. Don't make the, don't make the host cry. It's really very bad. So, uh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> I'm trying to say thank you. I'm, I'm impressed with the three of you just by who you are and how you live and what you contribute. Let's call this, instead of just repurposing creativity, let's call this episode contributing creativity. <sighs> you like that? Whoa, whoa. Carol, it's still in your honor, but contributing, contributory creativity. Never did that before. Okay, let's move on. I've asked each of you for a quote. We're running out of time here. We only got another 27 minutes left and so much to talk about. My (laughs) fault. I'm just enjoying you too much. Carol Tanzi, I'm going to read the quote you picked. And instead of going on for three or four minutes, let's keep it to two minutes. Explain. I'll read the quote with a little background and then we'll do Jerry's and then we'll do Christina's and then we'll get to your creativity statements. I can't wait for those. So uh, Carol picked a quote from Master Yoda, voiced by Frank Oz, uh, staying it to Luke, played by Mark Hamill. Of course, you all know Star 
Star Wars Episode V, that's five, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980 American epic space opera film. I never figured out what a space opera is, but I'm sure it's something. Of course, it's based on a story by George Lucas, produced by Lucasfilm, second film in the Star Wars five film series. It's the fifth chronologically. All right, here we go. The quote is, and we all love this one, do or do not. There is no try. I do a terrible Yoda. So Carol, two minutes. Tell us what this has to do with your creativity. Go ahead, Carol Tansy. When I heard that, I it struck me. And I'm not, I hate to say this, but I'm not a Star Wars fan. But that one movie that I saw and that phrase stayed with me the rest of my career, rest of my life. Anything I attempted to do, and there were some going up the hill with the big rock, um, I said, either you do it or you don't. Decide what you want to do, Tansy. And that's what I did. And it always worked out one way or the other. Maybe it wasn't the exact picture the way I saw, but it worked out. And so then when I took on the Goddess of Garbage's work, I was at the beginning, my, a lot of my colleagues thought I was absolutely crazy. That's not a way to make money. How are you going to do that? That's ridiculous. But my true friend said, if anybody can do it, you can. And I did do it. And of course, now they're saying, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. And it was terrific. And it's wonderful. Okay. It gives me joy to be able to do it, to be able to teach young children how to collage, to bring out their artistic ability that maybe the teacher didn't know. And I can speak to that because a teacher, in fact, two teachers told me that. We did collages when I went to the classes to do collages. And the next thing she says, you know, I never knew that that child was that creative. But look what they did. So that child had an opportunity to show creativity. And maybe he or she took it on when they grew up. How do I know? I don't know that. Okay, to teach clients how to reuse and recycle, repurpose, instead of leaving it down in the basement or leaving it up the attic. Bring out the memories and what you don't need, move it on to somebody else who may use it. It's a very simple thing. It doesn't take genius. Just get it going. And the nonprofits to be able to create rooms or projects and be able to have a showcase and to be able to bring people together to bid on those and to raise money for the nonprofits. I love it. Do or do not, there is no try. And you've been doing it, obviously. Carol, thank you very much. Very well stated. Jerry Morton has picked a quote from Jack Crabb, C-R-A-B-B, played by Dustin Hoffman, who's in another show, I think, on Netflix now. The movie he's talking about is Little Big Man, 1970. A curious oral historian, William Hickey, the actor, goes to hear the life story of a 121-year-old Jack Crabb, Dustin Hoffman. Crabb tells of having been rescued and raised by the Cheyenne, working as a snake oil salesman, we wouldn't know what that is, a gunslinger, a mule skinner under General Custer. He claims to be the only white survivor of the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And the scene, I'm going to not read the description of the scene because, Jerry, I want you to tell us. The quote is, I was afraid this was going to happen. Jerry, give us the scene. It's absolutely funny. Go ahead. Okay, let, let me uh, slip in uh, an aside commercial. Uh, Carol, thank you for raising money for nonprofits. As someone who spent his life with nonprofits, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> nice. Back Very to, nice. Back to the scene. Uh, this is uh, uh, 
the U.S. cavalry has wiped out an Indian village and Dustin, as a boy, being raised in the village, escapes with the elderly chieftain. And the chieftain decides it's time to die. He's so terribly uh, depressed. And uh, I'm on a raised Indian platform with the uh, appropriate uh, uh, prayer chants and all. He finally gets up on the platform and he lays down and the scene closes on his face and his eyes close on this elderly face as he prepares and is dying in silence. And then bloop. A drop of a rain hits the chief in the eyelid, and he kind of blinks, and then he looks and he says, "I was afraid this was going to happen." <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, briefly, what does this have to do with your creativity? <laughs> we don't have control, <laughs> as you've already articulated. I didn't plan for all of these things to happen and get involved with. I was just trying to get a job. <laughs> and, and this is what came forward with these different wonderful experiences that just tied in uh, where my talents and interests were to be of service to these people and to help train other people to also go into those areas of service to help children oh and i uh, god how i love the birth to three programs the young children gosh <laughs> thank you for your work in that area the uh it, it just that i'm afraid this is going to happen it's it's all right it's all right to be part of the universe and let mm -hmm. it unfold. that's what it says to me Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. That was lovely. And Christina has picked a quote from the song Time by the English progressive rock band. You've all heard of Pink Floyd. This is from 1973, fourth track on their eighth album titled The Dark Side of the Moon. It was a single in the U.S. Lyrics by Roger Waters, the bassist, keyboardist Richard Wright on lead vocals and guitarist David Gilmour. Here is the quote. And you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking racing around to come up behind you again. The sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older. Oh, Christina, this is lovely. Talk to me. How'd you find this? And I'm not going to sing it because I don't know the song. You want to you wanna sing, Christina? Anne I Ramirez? really, you you don't want me to sing. Okay, uh, I try not to sing on my shows, but <laughs> guests are always welcome to. Talk to us. Where'd you find this? And what does this have to do with your creativity? It's lovely. Sure. So when um, I was, filling out the form for you. My son was sitting in that couch right there and they're teenagers and they're both musicians and we listen to a lot of music together. And I was like, what's a quote? What's a quote? And then he's like, oh, you know, what about time? And he said, and um, he said actually a different part of the song. And then I chose this one. And what I love about it is um, it's just the imagery, you know, like that you run and you run and it's like, like the rainbow, you're never going to get there, but the sun will always win. And just like the imagery of the circle of, you know, of time passing and you trying to reach a goal, but it just comes up behind you over and over again. So I like the imagery. I like the, how it rolled, the, how the words come together, like the, the poetic part of it. And 
you know, and, and the, the musicianship of it, of it is also really nice, um, how he sings it. And I, um, I thought that, you know, we can chase our goals all damn day long. Um, but at some point, we have to just, instead of chasing something, just be where we are and let the sun do its thing and let time pass as it may, but we get to decide what to do with that time. So I love all of those different parts of it. And also as a family, you know, we've gone in a lot of road trips and Pink Floyd is something that we listen to and we can all sing together. So it's on the personal side, it's also a fun memory for me. <laughs> Very nice. So she's willing to sing with her family in the car, but not on my show. Okay, Christina, I get the message. That's fine. <laughs> Christina, that was lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you all three of you for putting so much thought into your quotes. Now I'm going to pick one creativity statement from each of you. We've already heard a lot from each of you, but I just want to, this will just gel it really nicely. So I will read the statement. You don't have to look for it. Carol Tansy, I'm picking statement number three because you haven't talked about this. Take about two minutes because I want to get one from each of you. And then we've got some fun celebrity birthdays to do at the end. So Carol, statement number three says, I teach, lecture, and craft decorative accessories for the general public. I created a give and take corner at my office complex, no questions asked, where people can take and leave things they are not using. Carol, how did you come up with this? And how successful was it? What kind of stuff did people leave? I think that's what we want to know. First of all, it's been there for 12 years, okay? And it's, just, it's exciting to see what people put and what people take and how long it takes for people to realize they want it. So I, I'm in charge of that. People can bring anything. Uh, they have brought food that's been unopened. They have brought uh, knickknacks, accessories. They have bought office supplies, everything. The, the rule is that everything has to be in perfect shape. It has to be in good shape. No junk is put there. And I monitor it. And this has been going on for 12 years now. And watch it. I, I love putting things down, like a set of dishes. And once a set of dishes were there, I said, I wonder how long that's going to last. That was in the morning. And by the next morning, they were gone. Okay. So it's just depending on what people want. It might be Christmas decorations. It might be Easter decorations. It might be Hanukkah decorations. It could be anything. It's food. It's accessories. It's office supplies, like I said. No matter what is there, it disappears. And it takes about, I, I monitor it for about a week or two, meaning I'm watching it. If something does not move within about a month, then I usually pull it and I'll donate it out to a nonprofit organization. <laughs> Very nice. Your heart's in the right place. Carol, I used to go when I was in between jobs and selling on eBay, before I started teaching eBay, I used to go to the local St. Vincent de Paul. And I didn't know till years later that the woman who ran this one had been a, an antique dealer and did lots of big uh, flea market shows uh -huh. with, with good stuff, good yeah. quality things. And she ran her St. Vincent's almost like an antique store and people brought gorgeous stuff. So I found a lovely set of dishes and I bought them for something like six bucks. They were just beautiful. And I sold them on eBay. I didn't know yeah. how to pack. That was the problem. So they sort of kind of got there, but I got the message back from the buyer. Two cups were broken and a saucer was cracked. I, oh, oh, I didn't, I, I wasn't, 
I was jumping in with both feet to sell, but she got a nice set of dishes for almost no money, and I think it was okay. Anyway, it was just, but I used to love going to this St. Vincent's, and what she would do is she'd take a little piece of tape and put a little red dot on and mark down things, so you could get a, a, a Mikasa ca- a candy dish, you could get pictures, you could get glassware for 50 cents, a dollar, two dollars. You know what I did? I turned those into jewelry cases because I was buying jewelry by the lot on eBay where I'd buy 30, 40, 50 pieces in one box for something like 30 bucks. And I'd end up with necklaces and bracelets and and uh, all kinds of things, rings and earrings. And I display them in these beautiful little Mikasa dishes that I got for a couple bucks at St. Vincent. And they were on top of my, and I could look at my jewelry instead of having it sitting in a jewelry box in a closet somewhere. Yeah. So that's how I repurposed. There you go. It's all. Right. It's all. There you go. It was a give and take. It was just a couple bucks. Jerry Morton, I'm looking at statement number two. This is interesting. You say, I experience creativity in flashes of thoughts that I need to find ways to retain. When I'm zoned into those thoughts and writing them down, I find that I have lost all contact with time and stimuli around me. Jerry, were you writing a poem? This is lovely. This is really lovely. Talk to me. What does this mean to you? Well, uh, it, it's basically true. Uh, the, uh, uh, the creativity uh, is not a, a study and getting a good score on a test. It's being open and allowing experience to happen in what comes into your mind, letting it out. Uh, my difficulty is that I don't carry paper and a notepad with me. And, you know, when I'm going through the clerk uh, at the grocery store, something will happen and I'll make uh, some crazy but humorous, usually, comment. And we all get to laugh. And I don't know where that came from. And I, I just like to write those lines down better to, to share them more often with people. Lovely. Jerry, I want to read a little something to you, to everybody. I wrote this down, put it in my show notes. I read it every couple of weeks when it's appropriate. David Byrne, who was the front man for the group, songwriter and former Talking Heads front man. And by the way, he's, I think, doing a Broadway show now. He was a guest on a podcast uh, hosted by somebody named Stephen Johnson called How Ideas Happen podcast how ideas happen. And he said, he was asked where he finds his inspiration. He said, Jerry, you'll love this. And I think Christina and and Carol will too. Sometimes I have just the title of a song that comes to me and I write it down and I go expand on that. I think there's something there. And I also have in my computer a whole lot of musical ideas that maybe have a melody, a nonsense word melody, awaiting the words. But usually I need something to start. It's hard to start from nothing. I accumulate these little beginnings when i come back i have something to build on and then the comment the whoever wrote this article said our minds fizz with fragments of ideas puzzles to ponder clues on how to fix a problem most of us undervalue that chatter writers and artists systematically capture the little beginnings jerry does that talk to what you were talking about absolutely thank you isn't that lovely you're welcome I, i i I keep it in my notes because once in a while it just comes up in the conversation and I want to be able to share that with all of you. So this was a good time to do that. Christina M. See the M? Do you see the M, Christina? I got it. Thank you. you. You're welcome. Okay, Christina, I'm reading number one. This is very, very interesting. You say, it took me a long time to identify as a creative person. I thought I had to be a 
quote unquote, good artist to be creative, but we're all creative in how we see the world. My curricula are creative endeavors as well as my writing. Talk to when did you decide you could let go of needing to be a good artist? Maybe you're a fabulous artist, but you didn't think so. So Christina, take about two minutes and talk. Three minutes, actually. Go ahead. Sure. So I um, I always thought that to be a good artist is like something that you, a piece that you can see and put in a museum. And it was um, actually not until much later, I did an exercise, which is actually something that I teach in my book about you know, what do you see, like people that you admire? And what do those and and you list the qualities that those people have. And, um, and I did it with a friend of mine who was a doctor. And his list, like the people of the the people that he admired were, you know, like, analytical and mathematical and exact, like those were the words that that he admired of these people. Mine, Totally not. Like I admire, like one of the people on my list was like Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote um, Hamilton, you know, because he's out of the box and like he does things with words that are interesting. And that's when I recognize I'm not an analytical person at all. Like everything, every person on my list was creative. Every person on my list was doing something that moved me in one way, shape, or form by what they were saying or doing. And when I and then the the coach that was leading us is like, well, you don't recognize in other people the qualities that you don't already have in yourself. And that's ah. when the light bulb like went like, oh my goodness, because I would have never put some of the people that my friend put. So I don't, it's like, like those qualities aren't really pervasive in me, but those qualities that I chose that these people represent, those were already in me. And that's when I started exploring my creative side, even though I've been creative my whole life, you know, I've always written stuff and I've always like, you know, whatever, like in preschool teacher, I was a preschool teacher. So I, I created things for the kids to do. Um, but I never realized just how important that was for me. Um, and I let go of that, you know, the the idea of being creative is not just a visual art. You know, I, I expanded on what creativity means from entrepreneurship, like I said before, mm -hmm. to words, to visual. And I started identifying more as like, okay, these are the things that are important to me. And what's interesting is that once I, I made that shift consciously in myself, then I, and I would hear myself like, oh, I'm just a creative person. It's like I was saying that about me, which I had <laughs> never done. Um, then I became more open to looking at other people's creativity and be like, oh, well, how did they use these mediums? You know, like what did they do? you know, like poetry, like how did they do with the words and how they look on a page or, oh, how interesting, like this person's art uses always the same color. And I started noticing more openly what other creative people did because now I identified that and it's like, how do you do use things that are around us, but in a way that, in, you know, that, that portrays you or in an interesting and different way. And I gave myself permission to think that way. 
That's the key, giving yourself permission. By the way, if you're watching us, you can see that this is one of my permission pieces. I create digital art in Night Cafe Studio, and then I print it out on film or acetate, and I turn it around and put it oh. face down and roll it onto a piece of 12 by 12 white cardstock. And then I add the, the fake jewels for she has one eye that's diamond shape, and one's an oblong. And I use Sargent's glitter glue, and I use paint pouring acrylics, and I use watercolors. And I, this is called my embellished art. That's, that's nice. super cool. And I see? give them really nice lips. And by the way, I want you to see this one. This Ooh. is my dramatic redhead. She didn't have jewels for her eyes. And let me see. Here's another one. This is a business lady, I call her. Yeah. I gave her purple earrings and one more. This one. Oh, redhead. I like that one. A couple of these are being displayed, I think, at the hair salon locally here. They were very oh. looking for modern. A younger couple bought the salon and they said, we want to bring it up a couple notches. So they saw my artwork and they said, bring us a couple. So we're doing that. Anyway, uh, what I want to do, thank you all for the, the statements. This show is just a, a party. It's a conversation about what makes our creativity go. Where do we find it? What do we do with it? How do we do it? How do we, how do we exercise it, use it, share it? Uh, and it's, it's such a good point, Christina, that you have to give yourself permission. I give myself permission to do this. I, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good. I yeah. found out. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Go. <laughs> it makes me happy. That it, when, when we're creative, when we're being creative and spontaneous, we are happy. Yes, yes we are. We absolutely you're are. You're in the zone. That's what it is. When you're in the zone. In the zone. Speaking of in the zone, we have a couple of celebrity birthdays. I have to watch the clock here. I sometimes go over. Steve Martin is 78 today. If you haven't been watching only murders in the building it just started uh, season three i think it's on hulu and i watched the first two episodes it's it's steve martin martin short and selena gomez and it's very very interesting it's comedy drama a lot of a lot of interesting new york characters so steve martin 78 happy birthday magic johnson five-time nba champion three-time final mvp three-time nba mvp oh my goodness la lakers he's 64 today they didn't say what his real name was halle berry is 57 today she was the first african-american woman to win the academy award for best actress in 2001 for the film monsters ball i didn't know that and she was the first african-american miss world entrant after finishing runner-up to christy fitchner for the 1986 Miss USA title. I did not know that. She starred in Catwoman. We know that. Myla Kunis, a lot younger, 40. Uh, she was Jackie Burkhardt in the series, The 70s Show. There's a young lady named Marseille, M-A-R-S-A-I Martin, who's 19. And all I can tell you is that if you ever watched the TV show Blackish, it's very, 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 very good. If you can find it in reruns. She was one of the twins. Uh, and Anthony Anderson and... Um, who is uh, 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 Diana Ross's, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, her, her daughter is the lead in that one. She's a doctor and he's a marketing guy and they have interesting children. But Marseille Martin is one of their children and she landed, uh, she, at the age of five, she was signed by an agency in Dallas to do commercials. But in, she was in a film called Little. Here's the important part. She got a credit for being a producer on the film. She has the Guinness World Record for the youngest Hollywood executive producer ever in the series, uh, ever in the Guinness record. She was 14 years old and 241 days when the movie was released and they gave her credit as, as the 
Yes, as a producer. I have three very interesting uh, social media, four actually. I, are you all sitting down, Christina? Jerry, Carol, you all comfortable? Okay, Rody Rogan is nine years old. He has 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, he's a gamer with his dad. They do montages for Fortnite, and he sells his own gaming merch. It's not merchandise anymore, Christine. It's merch. I happen to personally hate that word. Uh, YouTube, we have somebody who's 26 years old named Ginger Pale, G-I-N-G-E-R-P-A-L-E, 1.7 million subscribers. It's a Canadian animator of game parodies. Happy birthday. We have a young lady who's an L.A. fashion model named Model Roz, R-O-Z. She's on Instagram. She's 34 today, Carol, and she only has 15 million followers on Instagram, uh, she has a runway show, fashion ads, and print. And then we have a young lady on TikTok who's called It's Just Nyissa, N-Y-I-S-S-A. She's 20, 20, 23. Are you really sitting down, Jerry? Are you? All right, Christina, can you handle this? I don't know about Carol. She has 337 million likes on TikTok. <laughs> she creates That's comedy. It? Yeah, only only through only comedy, Slacker. dance, lipstick video, lip sync, and uh, she has attempted various accent in a video, and it was viewed a million times. Uh, today in 1965, Sonny and Cher single "I Got You, Babe" hit number one. Uh, the Beatles headlined Cleveland Stadium, the first rock concert ever. The fans were so excited they c- crashed through the barriers and they had to delay the concert for 30 minutes. Um, let's see, in 1985, on this day. Three years after Paul McCartney did a duet on This Girl Is Mine, The Girl Is Mine with Michael Jackson, he said, hey, Michael, hey, MJ, why did you invest in music publishing? So Michael Jackson bought ATV Music for $47.5 million. And guess what part of the deal was? He bought the rights to over 250 Lennon-McCartney Beatles songs, which was most of the Beatles catalog. Ten years later, he sold half of it to Sony, for $150 million. He was no longer friends with Paul McCartney, who was pissed at him. What can I tell you? That's the way it goes. Uh, Let's see, one more. I'll give you one more thing here. Uh, Oh, in 2016, near the end of a summer concert season, fans have been tailgating with improvised toilets at a field in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and the police said, Jimmy Buffett concert is next, don't you dare. And in 2017, Pantone, if you know anything about the colors, the numbers of the colors, they announced a new color, a purple color in honor of Prince, named after his famous symbol, love symbol number two. I've got one minute to say goodbye, and it's Love Your Bookshop Day and National Creamsicle Day. Okay, everybody, just join me in this. We're going to do this really, really fast. Life is short. Break the rules. Haven't we all been doing that? Give me a break. Of course we have. Uh, Kiss close. Forgive slowly, quickly. Kiss kiss slowly, forgive quickly. I'm just doing this too fast. (laughs) I'll forgive when I'm ready. I don't know how quick it is. Kiss slowly. That's love truly and laugh uncontrollably. Join me, the three of you. Laugh uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was good. And never regret anything that make you smile. Last words. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else cares. Dance like nobody's watching. When I dance, they watch. Sing like nobody's listening and love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Get over it. Let your heart get happy again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La. And last but not least, I stole this line. Thank you for turning me on. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Jordan, are we out? Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. 
Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.